Good morning. Uh, my name is Adrian. I'm going to be reading Psalms 31, 19 through 24. And it says, Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, and work for those who take refuge in you, in the sight of the children of mankind. In the cover of your presence, you hide them from the plots of men. You store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me when I was in a besieged city. What I had said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight, but you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. Love the Lord, all, all you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong and let your heart take courage. All you who wait for the Lord, this is the word of the Lord. Go ahead and be seated. Good morning. I believe it's July, is that correct? I mean, we got thunderstorm out there and got rain. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't remember that happening in July very often. Uh, not that I've grown up in Texas or anything, but gee, it's kind of nice after a week of 104 and all, so wonderful. Praise God, our team from Ecuador is back this morning. They're all here. What a blessing. I don't know if you were following them on Facebook or Instagram, whatever they were communicating on, but just to see what God was doing, what a joy. Uh, I'm excited to hear more. I got to say hi to them a little bit, but not really spend any time to hear all the stories and Really excited about that. In fact, next week, next Sunday, we're going to be highlighting all three of our uh, short-term mission teams that were gone this summer. Uh, we had some that went to Kenya and Tanzania and then as well Ecuador. So next Sunday, we will be highlighting them. So you're going to want to be here just to kind of see that and see what, what God was doing this year. Um, some really amazing stories of what God has done, salvations. Um, Lord's been good. Um, when we walk out in faith, when we trust him, when we step in a, in a way in which we look to him, it causes us to grow in faith. Uh, I often believe and have said that really kind of faith begets faith. That is every time we take a step of faith, we have a, a tendency to understand and know what God is doing and how he grows us. Today we're finishing our series in Psalm 31, so you can take your Bibles and turn there. Uh, it's been three weeks. Uh, in you, O Lord, I trust. Uh, to sum up, kind of the psalm uh, is, is a really a picture of deep personal trust in God in the midst of painful and difficult times. And I think we all go through those times of understanding that, but it is also a declaration of our absolute dependence on our God. It is, it is why we are here this morning. If you came for another reason, then you're missing out the purpose of Sunday morning and our corporate worship, where we acknowledge what God is doing and we recognize Him. And so to end this series of the day, I just want to ask the question, why should I trust God? Why should I trust God? Let's pray. Uh, Father, I just come before you this morning, and Lord, we just pray that 
you would speak to us, your people. Father, we, we often come with so many different things, Lord. We walk through the door on a Sunday morning and we want to hear the word. We want to be real. We want to be true. We want to know, Father, what is, what is right and what is truth as we understand it, Father. As we open your word, we expect you to teach us. We expect you to enlighten us, to understand the truth of your word. But Father, oftentimes we also come with, with struggles and we come with pain and we come with hurt. We come with confusion sometimes and doubt. And we ask, Father, that you would speak to us. That Father, in the midst of the difficulties and the struggles doesn't mean you're not there. In fact, Father, I have found often it's when you are there and that as Father, it's in those times, it's in those midst that you demonstrate your love in a way that Father, we could never have known it otherwise. It's in those times we understand your goodness, your presence. We understand those things that Father, we, we see in your truth and in the person of who you are and we find ourselves trusting in you. And so Father, this morning, even now, I trust in you, Father. I trust you, Father, to open your word. I trust you, Father, to speak to us. I trust you, Father, to go past all of my inabilities, my shortcomings, my own, my own sins. And that, Father, you would speak to us. We trust you, Father. So today, Father, instruct us that we might grow in, in the grace and the knowledge of our Savior, that we might walk after him and pursue you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So we, there are many reasons why we should trust the Lord. We've been dealing with some of them in this passage as we've gone through this psalm, but this morning we're gonna be looking at specifically in verses 19 through 24 at, at reasons why we should trust in God. The reasons that we wanna address this is this, be honest, if we're really honest, some of us sometimes have a hard time trusting God. How many times in our walk with God we lose focus in the midst of the daily activities when the struggles come and the pressures come of life, when the, when the relationships that are around us, when the finances around us, when all of those things are, are pressing in, we begin to ask those questions like, can I truly trust God with my finances? By the way, they're his finances. He's just entrusted us to manage them, right? Can I truly trust God with my job? Can I trust God in this economy? What happens if I lose my job? What happens then? Can I trust God in those times, under those pressures? Can I trust God with my future, with the unknown, with, my, uh, with the things that might happen and the things that might not happen? Can I trust God with those things? And often we define God's faithfulness in a different way than what God defines faithfulness. Defining God's faithfulness and understanding his faithfulness does not mean I don't have any problems in my life. It doesn't mean I don't go through difficulties. It doesn't mean I don't have those times of, of sorrow and hurt and pain. And we often don't trust God. And just to be honest, <laughs> some of these things as I'm saying them, I'm going, standing here going, you know, Lord, 
you know, I've struggled with this too, right? You understand that. I don't stand here as somebody who's already got it figured out. I stand here as, as a fellow servant of God like you, learning to walk through this life to follow after Jesus. And sometimes I don't trust God because his plan might not work out the way I want it to. It may not go the way I want it. So what do I do? I begin to try to control my life. I try to begin to control those things. And I begin to fail to tr actually trust the one who is in control, the one who I say, in you I trust. And we, we go through those times and it's amazing that I will trust God with my eternity. I will trust God with my salvation. I will trust God with all those future things. But these things around here, these things that, that are right now, I, I bring them in. I want to control them. I want to keep them because I see these things right now. And these are the things that I really care about. And I don't end up trusting them with God. I think one of the fundamental reasons why we don't trust God is because that we don't really know God sometimes. If we really knew God, because God has made himself known, he's made himself known in the scriptures, even the scriptures that we've read this morning, he's made himself known in creation, he's made himself known. He said he will never leave us or forsake us. Is that a truth? He is full of love and compassion his unconditional love will last forever. Those are things that we know, but many times God becomes a stranger to us because we don't know him. And why don't we, then we don't trust him, and we don't trust him because we don't trust strangers. If you don't know God, you're not gonna trust him. If he's a stranger to you, you're not gonna trust him. And so many times we say that I trust in the Lord and I believe in the Lord, but then there's really no time in his word. There's no time in prayer, no real community of fellowship. We do not serve him. We expect to be served, but we do not serve him. And we do not long and pursue. And so we develop a relationship with God where he's a stranger to us. No wonder sometimes we don't trust him. And I'm not talking about trust that's just easy. I'm talking about trust that when you read God's word and, it, and God's word is clear and it says something and yet I, it's, it's not really what I wanna do. Do I, do I trust that God's word is true and I step out by faith, believing it to be true even though everything within me may not? Because I know that he is God and I know that he is faithful. No wonder we find times where we don't trust him because sometimes we really don't understand the full power of the truth of his word and the work of our salvation of what Christ has done and we lose our focus and we become focused on the things around us instead of understanding who I am in Jesus Christ and walking in faith and in the trust that I have in him because of what he has done. God has done much. In fact, I will say it and I'll probably say it again and this message that the, the, the life of faith and the life of walking after God is a miraculous life. It is a life that is abundant. It is a life that is of great peace and joy. I do not by any means have a perfect life. But I have begun to understand 
the everlasting strength of my God. To begin to understand his peace and his joy and to understand the comfort of God and dear people of God that only comes as we begin to know him and to trust him and to walk out by faith. Why should I trust God? In verse 19, it teaches us one of the reasons why we should trust God. I believe there's four in the passage and if the creek doesn't rise and the tornado doesn't come through, we'll get through all four of them today, right? Um, I will not apologize again or anything today. Um, uh, some of these truths have hit me hard. It's a reminder of who my God is. He's an amazing God. I get emotional sometimes when I think of what God has done. I was visiting with somebody this week and they made the comment to me about Greg, all the things it seems like you've gone through, you need to, you need to put them down in a book or something. I was like, they're nothing. The glories of my life is nothing compared to the glories of the God that I believe in. In the work of his grace and the majesty of his glory, how can I even in any way prop up anything about myself? He is an amazing God and he's worthy of our trust. Look at it, verse 19. Oh, how abundant is your goodness which you have stored up for those who fear you and work for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind that he stored up this goodness for us even in the sight of others. It's interesting when you look at Psalm 31 because really in verse 18, man, that there's pain and there's difficulty. If you look at the previous verses, the last two weeks, we've seen a lot of difficulties, a lot of pain, but now we walk into verse 19 and immediately it jumps to joy. Oh, the goodness of God. Well, how can that be? How can that be to go from such pain? And it's not like the pain went away. It's not like the difficulties went away. How is it he goes from this place of difficulty and pain to this place of speaking of the goodness of God? Only God can do that. Only Christ can do that. You see, the life of faith is truly a miraculous life. Only God can take sorrow and grief and birth into it joy. Only God can take our hardest moments when we have nothing, when we feel nothing, when we're completely desperate and turn it into joy. Only God can take those things. Only God can do that. And the world looks at it and it doesn't make any sense. I've learned that. I've, told, I've talked to people many times and tell them of the joy of my Lord in the midst of a difficulty and they don't understand it. That you would have hurt, you would have despair, and yet be so filled with peace and comfort and joy that God gives. When I, uh, when I was that young man and was getting tired of my ways and started by the grace of God going down to that church that wasn't far from my house, started walking in there and there was, I was from projects and very, poor, very difficult area, but it was a wealthy church right on the edge of a highway. And so I didn't fit in with a lot of the kids. And I can remember going to the youth group and probably, and they had 60, 70 plus kids. It's a larger church. And going to the youth group, and a lot of those kids wouldn't even talk to me. In fact, there was only two or three. 
And one of them was a young lady and she was super nice. Man, you knew she loved the Lord. It didn't take long being around her. It wasn't long. I kept going and found out she had lupus and the, 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 the wasn't looking good. I can't even think of the term right now, but uh, <clears throat> pretty much terminal. And this girl would come into the youth group and she had a joy about her. I'll never forget. I, I was just amazed by that because I never seen that. I never seen somebody who was receiving bad news and she was in and out of the hospital. And, and I remember hearing about nurses and doctors who, who wanted, to, wanted to be around her because she would just share her faith. And even though she was in great pain and great agony and difficulty, they could tell there was something different about her. And she shared the gospel. Many of the doctors and nurses came to Christ because of her. But I'll never forget. <clears throat> and again, I don't even know she would even know who I was. But she had such a profound impact on me. Because there she was in the hospital, breathing her last. And the nurses and the doctors, many of them, even off duty, were asking if they could be there and be in the room. as she breathed her last in joy and the doctors and the nurses amazed at the work of God in the life of this young person who by faith trusted God. It was my first example of somebody where I saw them believe God regardless of the circumstances, even though they're surrounded and though the world didn't understand and many of those nurses and doctors didn't understand it, but God worked in a miraculous way and he took despair and he turned it into joy and many of them came to Christ the worst of trials and hurts and struggles, and yet in the midst of it, to find a sense of peace and comfort and joy that is only possible if the Lord, of, the Lord our God is the one we trust. It is a miracle of faith that works in our lives. I like where David in verse 19, he goes, oh, you know, like, you know, just like, whoa, the goodness of God. In, in, the, in, the, in the Hebrew, it's the idea of kind of like, David catching the, this, this glimpse of the goodness of God. It's, this, it's not like, a, like he can totally measure it out. It's, it's immeasurable goodness. Man, look, like, oh, can you believe? Like I'm, you're trying to describe something and you can't put a, a measuring stick on it. You can't define it like this or like that. It's just, it's just beyond. It's so great. It's imagine, amazing. And Spurgeon, he said, what we cannot measure, we marvel. And that's exactly what he's doing. He's marveling at the goodness of God in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the hurt and the pain. He gets a glimpse of the goodness of God and he goes, Oh, the goodness of our God. No one else can do that. No one else can take in the goodness of our lives. I was standing out here, one of our men just gone through some significant surgery and back for the first day. And he was standing there, he's like, man, I'm telling everyone how good the Lord was through all of this. The goodness of the Lord. Why should we trust him? Because who else could do that? Who else can, in the midst of difficulty and struggles, demonstrate such goodness? In verse 20, he goes on, he says, In the cover of your presence you hide them. From the plots of men you store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. I'm, I, I was really amazed by this phrase, the cover of his presence. 
You know, when we talk about our salvation in Jesus Christ, there's an aspect of our salvation that we refer to as regeneration. Regeneration is that process of bringing in new life of the Holy Spirit. It's the act of God whereby the Holy Spirit comes into into our lives and he makes all things new. We see it in John chapter three. We use, use this term born again. We used to use that when I came to Christ as a young young man, it was this term, born again. It's this picture of of new. The old things have been passed away and the new things have been made into the new creation and new life. Why does that happen? Because of the presence of God by the Holy Spirit that indwells us. In the Old Testament, they didn't have the Holy Spirit. They went to a temple and there's where God dwelt. But in this stage, in our church, in the church time, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. It's the presence of God. It's by it that he enlightens us into the truth of his word. It's, it's how he reminds us of those things in the word. It's how he guides us in our path as we walk after him, as we begin to pursue him. He is the indwelling guarantee of our salvation. You know that? He has sealed us, is what it teaches us in Ephesians 1. One commentator trying to describe this cover of his presence and was describing this, it's this picture of where we are plucked up from where we were and we are placed into the holy of holies of God to never leave. It's this picture of God placing us in his presence and we're there, we're in his hand and because of that presence, death can't enter. Let that sit. We are protected from death, from defeat, from shame, from our adversary. The greatest cover The greatest cover that you can and I can ever need is the presence of God by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This is when the peace of God that passes all understanding, that guards our hearts and minds are found. If God is for us, what does it say? Who can be against us? Why is that? It's because of God, because of his indwelling presence. This is when we know that our life is what? Christ. And we are hidden in Christ. This is when I know that that the hope of the glory that I live for, that I know that awaits me because of Christ, because of the presence of God. This is why we should trust our God. His abundant goodness and his ever covering of his presence in our lives. It's an amazing thing to me that every day that I get to go through this life, And I get up and I walk each day and there's this relationship that I have with my God. And it's in the sense that whereby the Holy Spirit is is guiding me and teaching me that I might walk after him. The abundant goodness of our God. Who else can make these promises? Do you know anybody, by the way? Is there some business dealing you got where you can get this kind of a deal? Is there some place? No one. No, of course we will trust him. Of course we will. Why? Because no one else can do what he did. He does. Then look, if you will, verses 21, 22. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me. When I was in a besieged city, I had said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight, but you heard the voice of my pleads for mercy and when I cried to you for your help. And I love this, this phrase here, wondrously shown. It carries a meaning like the idea, the idea of unexpected. 
Like when I was least expecting it, you know what showed up? The steadfast love of God. When I least expected it, David was astonished in the midst of, of all of the pain and the struggle. David saw the love of God and he was astonished. This love was impossible to believe because it was so wondrous. It was so amazing. Steadfast love, that phrase there is from the Hebrew word he, he said, if I never have said it right. I love this word because it's, it's kind of a covenant type love. It's a, it's a love where, where it's a decided love. It's a, it's a committed love. It's an active, faithful love. It's not the little, you know, like we do the little hearts and the kissy faces and think, oh, that's love. No, that's not the love. This love is real. This love is steadfast. It's immovable. It's God moving toward David sees the steadfast, immovable love of God in the midst of this, in the midst of his pain, in the midst of his struggles, and he's blown away by it. The love of God. I'm going to tell you right now, some of you are listening to me this morning, you're hearing me describe these things, and you're going, I don't know what you're talking about, Greg. And I'm sure, because I've been there, I've been there where I can remember even going into my first pastorate. There was things I didn't understand. I would tell myself, I would go, oh, I gotta be joyous because the joy of the Lord is my strength, but I didn't have joy. I would go through times and I'd say, oh, I'm, I'm comforted, but I didn't really feel comforted. I just believed it. I was like, God, you've said you would comfort me. I know that you're true, but I sure don't feel it. And I went through those times and some of you don't understand this. And I'm telling you, by faith, you keep walking. You, by faith, you don't give up. Because the love of God, just like David, all of a sudden, it's going to just be wondrously shown. You're going to see his love. You're going to see his goodness in a way you've never seen before. And you're going to get to know your God in a way that you can never imagine. Sometimes when people are about to go through a very difficult time, sometimes I tell them, I go, I go, it's going to be tough, but when you get through this, you're going to see God in a different light than you've ever seen him before. Why? Because when we walk by faith and we begin to trust him, things like his love and things like his goodness, they just, they just explode on the scene. They just, they just explode. I love this phrase, though, when he says in verse 22, I had said in my alarm, another in other words, David's saying, overwhelmed by his struggles, he thought he was cut off by God. When he says, I am cut off from your sight. We've all been there. When under the stress of affliction, in fact, in the previous verse, the last part of verse 21, he says that he was in a besieged city, apparently being attacked. We don't know the specifics of which city or what time this was here when he wrote this in the psalm. But under this stress, under this affliction, he began to think, in my alarm, in, in my overwhelmness, I'm cut off from your sight. Has that happened to you? In the midst of struggles, in the midst of difficulties, God, are you really there? Hey, I've been there. Have you forgotten me, God? Have you left me? Have you cut me off? Now think about David here. David, a man after God's own heart, but with real struggles, 
with real temptations, with real doubts, just like us. But he sees the steadfast love of God and his faithful love, and it blows him away. It just blows him away, the love of God. You see, oftentimes people, dear people of God, listen to this. Oftentimes when we are going through trials, we begin to write the conclusion when God is just writing the introduction. We think it's over. We think it's impossible. We think things aren't gonna ever change or ever get better. But God is just starting his greatest work that you might see and understand the steadfast love of our God, the goodness of our God. And I'm gonna tell you, you don't see it without faith. Sometimes we say, God, because you're not operating on my terms of faithfulness, therefore you are not faithful. In other words, God isn't bringing things together the way I would bring them together. God is not faithful. That is terrible theology, by the way. It's unbiblical and it's not correct. God is faithful. You know why? For no other reason. God is faithful for this one reason, because he said he is faithful. And our God is true and he does not lie. He does not change in his ways. He has said he is faithful. His faithfulness, faithfulness does not mean I don't go through difficulties and I don't go through troubles. But his promises, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will uphold you and keep you in my righteousness. Those are truths. Regardless of the circumstances and the difficulties that we face on a daily basis, and some of you who might be here this morning and you're in a real struggle, you're struggling and you might want to give up. And as a fellow servant of God, I beg of you, don't give up. I hear you. There's times I'm tempted too. But every time I keep taking a step of faith, another step of faith, it's just a step. It's one step at a time, a step of faith and trusting God and believing God and taking another step of faith. And then just when you least expect it, when you least expect it, just like David, oh, the goodness of our God, the abundant goodness. Oh, man, wondrously show me his steadfast love as we take that step of faith. Don't give up. Don't give up. When you're humbled and broken, then you find yourself overwhelmed by the love of God and the peace that passes all understanding. That's why we trust him. No one else can do that in our lives. No one else. We keep taking steps of faith because only he can do this. Then in verses 23 and 24, he says, love the Lord, all you his saints, the Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Right off the bat, do you see that? I don't want to act in pride, do I? Because God's going to deal with the prideful. Just understand that. Verse 24, be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait on the Lord. When I was reading this and talk about the, the pre, that the Lord preserves the faithful, there was a couple of things that stood out to me. One, that in the preservation of God, what he starts, he will finish. 
Think about that. If God has started a good work in you, he's gonna bring it unto completion. Do you believe that? He's gonna bring it unto completion. Dear people of God, I don't know if you understood that statement, but let me say it again, because that's a good amen statement, by the way. All right? Do you understand that if God has begun a good work in you, he's gonna complete it? Amen? Because we walk in faith and we trust him. And look what it says. It says, the Lord preserves the faithful. You know, what is the one thing the Lord is looking in his, for in his people? Think about that. Faith. To be faithful. To be a people of faith. A people who trust him. How, do we, how are we faithful? It is completely found in our trust in him. Think about this. I thought about this because I've often thought about faith and trust. Well, how is it that I'm faithful? I'm faithful because I have these 10 things or these five things and I do them every day. So therefore I'm faithful. No, I'm faithful because I trust in him. Our faithfulness is all turned into the picture of who we trust and who we focus on. Our faithfulness. In fact, let me just be clear here for a moment. Not that I'm not trying not to be clear, but. Faithfulness before God is not me trying to produce works of faith or righteousness. It's not me trying to produce those things. It's not like then if I start producing these these works in my life, then God says, oh, good job. Way to go. Way to go. Now that you've obeyed me, I can like you. Before I didn't like you, but now I like you because you're obeying me. Now you're kind of like doing the things that I wanted you to do and you've done them and you're kind of in sync with me and we're on the same page and now I can bless you. That's how we begin to do. That's not biblical, by the way. That's not the gospel, at least. The whole point of our effort for God is rooted in everything that God has done for us in Jesus Christ. That when I place my faith in him and I give my life to him and I commit my life to him, those things begin to come out of my life because of what he has done. I cannot walk in righteousness. You understand that, right? I walk in righteousness because he who indwells me, he himself, God, is righteous and he produces righteousness in my life. As I walk by faith, as I begin to rely on him, as I begin to trust him in everything that I do, as I begin to place my life into his hands, as I begin to trust him on all those things and I rely on him to bring that out, it's when I, when I love him and I recognize and I begin to faithfully trust him and I put my hands in him and I begin to produce in my life faithfulness and obedience. We always want to go the other way, don't we? Like we always want to build up all the obedience and then therefore you are faithful. But we are faithful because we trust him to take me and to change me to be more like his son. Something I can't do. But by the grace of God. By faith we know these things are true. For it is impossible to please God apart from what? Hebrews 11.6. Did I lose everybody? It's impossible to please God. Why? Because you must believe that he is and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. Notice the fruits here. 
the fruits of being faithful. Verse 23, it says, love, love the Lord your God, or love the Lord, all you saints. Love, when we are faithful to God, love bursts forth. It's when we love God that we begin a life of obedience. It's when we, it's, it's a very natural result of our relationship with him. And then he says there in the second part, but only replays the one who acts in pride. It's a contrast. If, I, if I'm prideful, if it's all about me, I'm not gonna love him. And then verse 24, he says, be strong. One of the strengths of, one of the fruits of, of faithfulness is strength. When I am faithful to God, I am strengthened in his presence. The Lord is my strength. It's, it's, it's when you go through those times and those, those difficulties and the pressure of, of pain and sorrow, when you're going through those, it's when you trust in him that you find strength because it's not your strength, it's his strength that sustains you. It's his hand that carries you through. He goes on, he says, be strong and let your heart not, uh, take courage. I like that picture of courage there because when I, when I do trust in my God, when I have faith in him, then I find courage. My heart is encouraged. It's when I look at myself and my struggles and I become insecure, full of, full of problems and shortcomings. But when I see Jesus, I take courage because I see grace. I see mercy. I see righteousness. I see joy. I see love. I see life and I take courage. And it says there then as well, take courage all you who wait for the Lord. You know, the idea of waiting is, is literally faith, if you think about it, to wait on him. Patience and trusting God. Have you ever thought about that? Patience and trusting God. I don't know how many times I have over the years talked with people who I, I talk to them about remaining faithful, staying true, staying faithful. And they'll say, I already tried that. I mean, you heard that? Where people go, I already tried that. I already tried that whole faith thing. I already tried God. I tried prayer. It didn't, it didn't change anything. Well, no, it didn't change to your standard of how to get through a difficult time. But when we talk about waiting on the Lord, we're patiently waiting. Like I understand waiting on him that Jesus is coming and in that day the, the struggles of this world will be nothing compared to the glories that will be ours that will be revealed in him. I understand that, right? But being patient daily to wait on our God, to walk by faith. You see, faith begets faith. Again, that picture of, of taking each step and believing God, taking another step, well, it didn't work out the way I thought. Well, God said, what God said is true. He's never leaving me or forsaken me. He hasn't, he hasn't side, sidestepped and left me alone. He is there. He is with me. I trust that. I believe that. His love will sustain me and keep me. His righteousness will hold me. That in that day when the Lord comes and he's revealed, we will be revealed with him in glory. By faith, we take those steps and we wait patiently. And the reason we don't wait on God is why? Because we don't have faith. It's why we walk away. It's why we give up on God. When things don't go a certain way, we end, we end up not trusting him because we don't know him. He's become a stranger to us. And we don't trust him.
This is why we trust God, because of his abundant goodness. Whoa, man. Oh, the abundant goodness of God. He's wondrously shown us his steadfast love and just immovable love. He's covered us in his presence and dwelled us with his spirit. He took the old things and he put them in the past and behold, all things became new that we might walk in righteousness and understand the, the work of Christ in our lives and the power of his spirit at work in us. That we might know his word, that we might understand truth. And then he preserves the faithful, doesn't he? He preserves them. He keeps them. We experience his love. We experience strength. We experience courage. And we patiently wait for him. You know, no one else can do those kind of things. No one else can make such promises. But you are my God. And you I will trust. In you alone, oh Lord, I will trust. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I just pray this morning that as we walk through this passage, Father, as we're reminded, I know sometimes that, Lord, it's hard. I'm thankful for a Savior in Jesus Christ who was tempted in every way that we were. The Father went through the things of this world and understands our, our, what we go through and the struggles that we had and that we do not have a high priest. We do not have a savior who does not understand. And so, Father, we thank you for that. Father, I pray this morning, Lord, I, I always trust your word that if it goes out and it's spoken to someone this morning that, Lord, maybe they would come up and talk to and pray with some of the folks that might be up here praying. That, Father, they would, they would seek you. Maybe, Father, some are here this morning and said, you know, I've kind of gotten out of my schedule, got away from the word, praying and seeking you, Father. I just need to do that so I might trust you and I might experience your goodness and your love, your, the cover of your presence, understand that you preserve me to the end. Father, I just pray for those that are here, that Father, have heard the word, that you would speak to us, your people, in Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.